do we go about building Zion the same way that Abraham built Zion? And, and so I, I will be posing those questions at the beginning of class each time. Um, and so kind of come to class prepared with those. But um, I, I really enjoy this book because it helps us to see what the end goal kind of is. Uh, Abraham, what he was seeking was the same blessings as Enoch. And Enoch was seeking the same blessings as Adam. And, and all of those were to come into the presence of God, into um, the, the holy Shekinah, as it calls um, it here in, in this book in, in the past couple chapters. Um, sometimes we in, in the modern church forget uh, kind of what our end goal is. We have faith, repentance, baptism, uh, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and endure to the end, but we don't really define what endure to the end means. Um, and uh, a lot of times we we fail to, to live up to the privileges that can be ours. Uh, I want to just kind of briefly go through um, uh, a couple points of uh, President Nelson's talk on, on this very thing. Um, let's see. So this is from his Let God Prevail uh, talk just this last time. Uh, it says that as you study your scriptures during the next six months, I encourage you to make a list of all that the Lord has promised he will do for covenant Israel. I think you will be astounded. Ponder these promises. Talk about them with your family and friends and then live and watch for these promises to be fulfilled in your own life. Um, my dear brothers and sisters, as you choose to let God prevail in your life, you will experience for yourself that our God is a God of miracles. As a people, we are his covenant children, and we will be called by his name. Of this I testify in the sacred name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then um, in his one of his first talks um, back in uh, 2018, ministering with the power and authority of God, I'm sure uh, a lot of you, if you're... Um, where, where we've come from uh, Masa or Jody's group. Uh, this is pointed out quite frequently. Um, but in his talk, he says that, I fear that too many of our brothers and sisters do not grasp the privileges that could be theirs. I, I don't know if anybody remembers um, the, the little uh, Mormon ad or whatever video that Elder Uchtdorf, um, uh, that they made of Elder Uchtdorf's talk about living below our privileges. Were they umbrellas? Uh-huh, yeah, um, the umbrellas, the... Um, the guy that's uh, going on a cruise, but he's just living off of the, the cans of tuna and peanut butter crackers or whatever in his suitcase. When the whole trip was paid for, it was all inclusive to, to have all of the, uh, the perks of the cruise, but he didn't know that. Uh, and so he just stayed in his cabin and watched um, as people went out on their excursions and, and things like that. Um, but, but in reality, at, toward the very end of the cruise, uh, he realized that all of those things were included. He didn't have to to, to scrape and um, live well below his means. And I think that President Nelson is doing likewise here. I fear that too many of our brothers and sisters do not grasp the privileges that could be theirs. It, as we go to the footnotes for that, um, he talks about, let's see, get my Zoom going on here. <laughs> There we go. I don't know why my pinch is not working here. 
for the zooming. But anyway, I guess that that's kind of the important verses that I want to focus on there. Um, but through the ordinances, the power of godliness is manifest. And that's what Abraham's finding out here in this book as we're, we're reading and, and following along his journey, that the ordinances of the, the priesthood are what brings us into the presence of God, uh, even the Father, and live, uh, and parenthetically, in this life. And so as we um, look at those footnotes and, and really study our modern prophet's words, we realize that, that we're, many of us, like myself up until this last year, have been living well under my, my privileges um, in the gospel, in the priesthood, in, in many different facets of my life. And so um, as President Nelson uh, exemplifies, and as he's trying to teach us how to hear him on a personal basis and, and come into um, his presence, I think that that's important as we're reading through this chapter to find actionable steps. How do we, how do we follow Abraham's example and, and bring those covenantal blessings into our lives? I'd love to hear any thoughts or, or experiences that, that you've had that um, have helped you do that. Or if not, uh, be prepared for, for next time to, to share some of those kind of same experiences. I'll start each uh, class time uh, discussing that. How do we let God prevail in our lives so that we can live well uh, within our privileges? Um, if not, we'll, we'll dive right into to chapter four. So... Um, let's see. Yeah. Oh, where do we even start? I, I always try to go from the very beginning, but we have here the, the ordinances and ordination in Haran. So, um, I, on the second paragraph here, I find this sentence in, interesting how it starts out. The patriarchal records themselves clearly taught that God could not be fully found except through the ordinances he had established. Ordinances that brought direct revelation through the gift of the Holy Ghost. So what does it mean when it says to fully find God? What, what does that mean to us in, in our day and age to, to fully find God? What are, what are your all thoughts? I think we need to covenant with him and keep his commandments. And the most two important ones is to love him and love each other. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. And, and that's exactly what's found in those patriarchal records. Last time we talked about what those patriarchal records were that Abraham had found. Um, those were, were the records of Adam, Seth, Enos, Enoch, um, all of those, those forefathers. And, and the pattern's always the same, right? Uh, God wants us to return to his presence. And so he gives us the, the priesthood so that we can have the ordinances necessary to come back in there. And, and we have certain laws that um, if we abide by those that make us worthy to have those ordinances work in our lives. And yeah, I, I mean, even though I, I grow up in the church and uh, know these things, but putting them into practice is, is a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Um, knowing that the ordinances are, are important, but not how necessarily they work or how to draw upon their power uh, to, to directly commune with heaven in, in greater measure. 
I find that that's a, a huge principle that Abraham teaches us. Um, let's see. All right, so in that first section where it talks about um, Shem and uh, Melchizedek and that connection with genealogy and everything, uh, what insights did, did you find from there that were interesting or new to you? Or um, uh, do you agree with the author's uh, kind of take on that? Uh, what are your thoughts? The thing that really stood out to me is that um, he had to have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost and the ordinances. And that just sounds like what President Nelson is saying. It just sounds like President Nelson talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. I, I mean, they're almost using the exact same language and stuff too. Mm -hmm. um. Let's see. So again, I always like to, to do charts and things. Let me uh, share this one. So um, here we have kind of like a genealogy chart, like we uh, look out in, in, in things. So we have Noah here at the top, and we, he had the three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, and so those are brothers. And then uh, their sons, Cush and Arphaxad, are cousins. Nimrod, the same Nimrod we've been talking about here in previous chapters, and Salah, our second cousins. And then we have here, six times removed, Abraham, that's coming from the line of Shem. So Nimrod and Abraham are second cousins, six times removed. We know that Nimrod and Abraham live during the same time frame, at least partly. Uh, Nimrod came much before Abraham, but, uh, you know, Ever since Adam, the, the lifespans are, are greatly longer, and they start diminishing after the, the years of Noah. Um, but Nimrod is still alive uh, during the time of Abraham. And we know that um, Nimrod is, is uh, the great builder of the Tower of Babel. And we know that the continents uh, divided during the days of Peleg. The, the languages were confounded when the Tower of Babel was... Um, uh, broken down, dispersed, and, and the families uh, separated and scattered. And so all of that is happening between the time of Nimrod and Abraham. So it's right before Abraham's birth, but still during um, contemporaries that would have experienced all of that when Abraham's uh, alive, at least during the first part of his life. I found those inter uh, connections very interesting because I don't know. Sometimes we, we hear some Bible stories, but don't often connect them or, or see how they fit into the whole grand scheme of things. Um, but Abraham would have heard about some of these experiences and, um, and, and resonated with those. But uh, the, the fact that um, there's two different main uh, genealogies of Abraham, and in one of them, the, the, the Jewish people, uh, much later, after the time of Moses and things, have tried to uh, condense down the genealogy of Abraham so that Shem would equal Melchizedek. 
and and somehow explain how that uh, patriarchal lineage um, would come directly from uh, Shem, which would be Melchizedek, and, and how he received the priesthood through that. Um, I found that very fascinating, that, that whole page, or couple pages, pages 83 and 84. Um, but if we look at it literally, and not with the changes that, that Jewish um, interpolations have made over the years, that Shem is definitely not uh, Melchizedek. But um, I, I don't know, I always, uh, I don't know, necessarily grew up, but um, especially over the last you know, five, six years, I've always heard that Shem was Melchizedek, and oh, that's an interesting connection there, but um, the fact that, that might not be true, um, and that uh, Melchizedek is, is another unknown uh, person somewhere in here that Abraham goes to, to receive ordinances, the Melchizedek priesthood, etc., uh, to, to pay tithes, and to uh, receive the sacrament. I find those all very interesting connections there in um, in this chapter. Any thoughts, ideas, or, or comments on, on that section? I just found it was, I, I, I find it kind of confusing, but interesting too, that all of our priesthood holders have a chart or can get access to a chart that shows their their lineage for their priesthood all the way back to Melchizedek. Yeah, that's a very good connection there. I'm writing that down. It's, it's a, uh, they used to give them to us when, when one was confirmed in the, um, as a deacon or actually probably as an elder. Yes, as an elder. I don't know if they still do or not, but my, I know my uh, husband's was, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I, I've had one that was created for me, but I, I don't know if that came from family or the church or, or who knows what, but yeah, that priesthood line of authority, it's important to. Um, it, is, it is very humbling to look at, isn't it? Uh-huh, yeah, for sure. I, this connects you. It's almost kind of like genealogy, but but for the, the actual offices of, of the church, different keys uh, and things that, that get passed. Mm -hmm. Keys yeah. is the wrong word because that's not what it is, but but the office of priesthood. Lineage mm -hmm. of the priesthood. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's see, let's go on to the next section, the souls we had won. So um, he, he talks a lot about uh, Abraham again as being the, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. How they, Abraham and Sarah, um, brought many souls um, into the, the fold of God. Um, and a lot of it was due to Abraham's abundance. He was richly blessed in his... Um, line of work, uh, raising livestock, mercantile activity. Uh, he was an immensely wealthy man, um, providing him with the opportunity to, um, to bless others and to deal justly, to be honest and faithful in all things. And I find that that, you know, ties right back into the, the law of consecration, um, that or, or the parable of the talents, lots of those different uh, imageries there that 
um, to much is given, uh, to much is, is expected. Um, if we just bury our talents, if we just hoard the, the riches that we're given, we're not going to be given more because we're not consecrating them into building up of, of Zion. That that's a, a huge principle um, in building Zion is to, to be able to be good stewards in order for the, the well-being of God's children. And then um, here on, on 86, I, I found it interesting, just like a word um, search on, on pilgrims. What is a pilgrim and what do pilgrims do? I'd, I'd throw that question out to you guys. What is a, a pilgrim? Uh, on the very top of 86, it talks about spiritual pilgrims. And so um, I was just wondering what, what is a pilgrim and, and what do pilgrims do? Is being, uh, not being fearful of putting your, going into new areas or to expand one's experience, whether it be trekking into a new territory or finding a new spiritual path or a, a deeper, more meaningful path. It's always breaking out of that normal little cookie cutter. I do this same thing every day, every week, every year and pushing yourself a little bit harder, digging a little deeper and asking and having faith to try the promises that are given us in scriptures. It's sometimes it's really hard. And it's, I, I read something um, on that uh, one of, in one of the, uh, I think it was in one of the conference talks from the last conference. It's, um, to, when you don't have, you can have faith in Christ, but the promises are for somebody else, but not for you. In other words that, oh, well, uh, there's no way I could have that experience for myself, or I, I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to achieve the second comfort or experience, that kind of, of unbelief. It's, it's more of a personal self-worth value uh, in the way we, that's going off in a tangent, I know, but, but to me, spiritual pioneering, spiritual trekking, uh, what was the word you used? Pilgrimage, mm -hmm. a spiritual pilgrimage is to open our eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the blessings that, that can be ours because, um, like the scriptures are, are the pattern, right? And yeah. We have to know that we can uh, achieve a lot of the the same things or at least follow the same patterns as the prophets that that god loves all of us equally and he would love to to shower the blessings the same blessings upon us uh, much like nephi all he had to do was ask in faith that he could receive his father's dream and he did and and you know sometimes can we, we ask the same thing you know <laughs> yeah that's when i read that i think I put myself in that, in that, that little, the name category. And I don't know if I have enough faith to do that. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, it's just not needed right now. I, sometimes we just don't really, really need that. We just need to have that faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, 
Like I have enough faith for that, but do I really need? Oh, I don't need it because I have his words written down. Exactly. Far, but not of what will transpire after the part that was sealed up. I sure would like to ask because, man, I really would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then it wouldn't be a trial of faith, I guess, if I already knew beforehand. Mm -hmm. but yeah. So I answer my own question sometimes with my circular thinking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's a, a fun idea and concept to explore that um, what does God want to reveal to me? And how might I be standing in the way of him revealing that to me? And I think that that's what the, the prophets give us a pattern for, you know, ask, seek and knock and, uh, you know, ask what you're missing. Uh, obviously for, for Nephi, that was um, something that he needed and that would help him on his journey to establish the promised land and, and all of that. Um, but what do we need in our own personal lives in order to um, establish righteousness to build Zion and ask the spirit, what lack I yet, so that I might receive that revelation that God's willing to give to me. But he will um, give it um, whatever is, is meet and necessary for, for us in our day and in our specific uh, circumstances. That, that's, that's so I think that's, that's probably the main thing we, we need to be in. I like how you said that because Zion is what we're here for to build Zion. Yeah. And uh, with COVID going on right now, I feel like we're doing just good just to keep the ones we have right now, <laughs> because you, you can't really, um, you can't really get out there and get to know everybody, you mm -hmm. know? And, and I think some people feel closed off and lonely and, and they're missing that uh, spiritual connection that we have with one another as members. And some, some of us are gonna fall away. I've seen, I'm, I'm seeing the stress, the, the, the stress fractures, is that what we call them? Stress fact, mm -hmm. fractures. Um, and we've, we're just gonna have to be really careful to not let those fractures grow into actual caverns or, or chasms. And just, we, we're trying to build Zion and we're squabbling over who has to clean the church you know <laughs> i mean yeah exactly it's 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 the big picture versus the detail of mm -hmm. how to get there and that is such a struggle mm -hmm. i don't know how abraham was able to to well i guess i do know how uh he he relied on god that's the only way he could have done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that, that I find throughout this whole book is the, the attention to the law of sacrifice. All of the laws point us to God and to love our, our fellow men and, and neighbor as, as ourselves. But um, the, the law of sacrifice is huge. Um, I, I share this every week when I do family history work with people. But um, in the, the gospel library in, um, where is it? Oh, there it is. In the guide to the scriptures, um, the sacrifice, it says the, the first two sentences here. In ancient days, sacrifice meant to make something or someone holy. 
It has now come to mean to give up or suffer the loss of worldly things for the Lord and his kingdom. And, and the whole section there is, is very interesting to read and, and understand about the law of sacrifice. But um, for the most part, it, it's, it, the purpose of it is to make something or someone holy. And, and that's what we're all seeking is to come into the presence of holiness to return to God's presence. And in order to do so, we have to be holy. And that's going to require sacrifice. And, and so, you know, we, we say it tongue in cheek all the time, but, um, you know, never pray for, for trials or, or never pray for uh, this because you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get it. You get what you pray for kind of thing. But really, like, are we praying for uh, the opportunities to sacrifice? Are we praying for trials? Um, because that's very much what Abraham's doing here. He wants these blessings so bad. He wants to, um, to be um, God's friend. He wants to come into his presence. He wants all of these patriarchal blessings that are lined out, and he's willing to sacrifice. He's asking God, what can I do and uh, what do I need to remove from my life and everything? And then he turns around and builds Zion with that same principle. He brings other people into the, his tent, into his sphere of influence, and asks them to sacrifice. Willingly give up the things that you love or, or that you're called upon to, to give up in order to actually build Zion. Uh, that sacrifice principle is huge. I, I've always known the principle of sacrifice, but or the law of sacrifice, but I didn't realize the extent of it or, or how much we should be seeking it um, until I read this book. I, I found that a very interesting principle or connection to, to pull into my life and actually put it into practice each night, uh, seeking for, for the ways the Lord wants me to sacrifice um, my time, talents, etc., in, in building up his kingdom. Do you feel like you were that far off? to begin with, or you just need to tighten it in a little bit or, you know? Uh, um, yeah, but just like on a daily basis, just, um, you know, what do I love and what am I willing to give up in order to, to be a better missionary? Or, you know, like uh, this last year, um, I, I was praying, uh, Heavenly Father, what, what more can I sacrifice in order to, uh, to get the time that I want to, um, to have deeper connections with, with the people around me or, or to establish um, Zion in greater ways. And, and it was a very clear cut. You need to sacrifice all entertainment. You know, that's not the same for everybody. I'm not trying to, to promote that, but like, um, I, you know, I was very much watching TV constantly. That was my downtime uh, kind of thing, music, entertainment. But, uh, but when I, approached the Lord and asked what else I needed to sacrifice. That was, that was my answer. And that was something that I, I really liked. I loved, I, you know, I, it was a, a pastime hobby. I don't know what you want to call it, but it was um, something that I've tried to do many times throughout my life, but just never just got it done kind of a thing. But um, when I approached the Lord for that, then he gave me that answer. And um it was, it was very pointed and specific and the blessings were received um, as I, I did that. So yeah, to, to answer your question, I knew the law of sacrifice and I knew that it was there and that I was doing it in, in little ways, you know, the sacrifice of, of tithing money um, or sacrifice of 
of time doing callings, etc. But um, just trying to, to amp it up and, and really live it in a, a bigger and more meaningful way um, has, has been a huge insight eye opener to me. I didn't have an opportunity to serve a missionary um, as a missionary in my youth, but I um, was able to serve a service mission um, almost seven years ago. And mm -hmm. I was able to work with the missionaries here in our in Raleigh, in the Raleigh mission. And I helped them with Facebook, but meeting with them and working with them and watching them and, and hearing how they were living the mission rules and seeing that obedience brings blessings. I really think that that is the pattern. Mm -hmm. that, that is the pattern to get closer to, to God is to live a missionary kind of life. And I, I did that. I didn't watch TV. I didn't listen to music um, intentionally. I mean, it was around in my, in my house. I would go to other places or sometimes it would be mm -hmm. in the current or they would change for me. But I, I did wear missionary clothes every day. I had a missionary tag I would wear. Um, my, my scripture study was, you know, every morning, it was pretty intense. It was just really neat. I was able to meet with the mission president and the mission council every Monday. Um, simultaneously, I was serving as a primary president. So I was meeting with the uh, ward council and the bishop. It was just like a great experience. Yeah. And really the pattern, how to get closer and to, I mean, revelation just came. It was an incredible time. Mm -hmm. Hear the missionaries talk and the, you know, the, the mission president talk about being obedient and how that brings blessings. It truly does bring blessings. And so those sacrifices that we make of giving up media or um, whatever it is, is really worth it. Mm -hmm. It might be difficult to do in the beginning, but it's really worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much worth it. Um, because, you know, it... I, I love that example. I, I hadn't really put that into uh, this chapter, but the mission was was huge because seeing different companions around me accept the mission rules or the white handbook in different ways. Some were totally against some of the meaningless list of, of things you can and cannot do kind of thing versus some that just willingly went along with everything and, and never complained or, or anything. And so I found that very insightful that um, the ones that were obedient, even though they might not have seen it directly correlated to the number of baptisms or people that they taught or success, but it changed their life. The mission was able to actually change and make them better people versus the other ones that were just kind of fighting every little thing or, or not willing to do this half, but not this half. Uh, the mission didn't really affect them and and a lot of them have uh, you know taken that same approach to to the church life after the mission as well and so if we even if we don't realize what the the purpose of some of the sacrifices might be um but giving willingly with the, it's more about the attitude of your heart rather than the list of things to do and not do i think that that's kind of the spirit of the mosaic law versus the higher law it's all about turning inward to your heart and what am I willing to do and and why? Is it really because I, I want to come to God or am I just getting doing a checklist so that I can not go to hell kind of a thing, you know? <laughs> I love that example. Thanks for, 
for bringing that up. There's 95 references in um, the gospel um, library for prosper in the land. Oh, interesting. So 85 of them, or 65 are in the scriptures, and then 13 in conference, six in magazines, and 11 other. But about prospering, you hear that a lot. If they keep the commandments, you'll prosper in the land. So prosper doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have money. It just means that mm -hmm. um, you're going to be blessed. And mm -hmm. that's what we need is, you know, blessings from a lot of things <laughs> for a lot of reasons. More so every day. Yes. Um, let me pull up um, this other thing really quick. So um, I don't know, I shared this on, on Moss's group a, a few times, but um, for those of you that, that hadn't seen it or anything, um, I have a, I put this on the Learning Zion website as well so that you can view it there, but there's 47 promises of the Abrahamic covenant and that prosper one is huge, it comes up a lot. Um, but there are, sorry, I'm just going to scroll down. There's 35 promises that God makes to us. And then there's 12 promises that we make to God. And this is compiled from Kerry Mulestein. And he gave this at Education Week, had a handout. None of it's like my information. I'm just posting it on there and um, sharing that with, with everyone. That um, as we go through the actual blessings and promises of the Abrahamic covenant, as uh, President Nelson has urged us to do, uh, that's how we can let God prevail and, and actually prosper, um, not only in the land, but in the land of Zion, the, in um, the, the land of God, I, I guess you could say, that we can prosper wherever we're at. And it might not be monetary um, prospering, but uh, we have many different promises here. Um, uh, land, posterity, um, the priesthood, and the, the promises of the covenant. Um, but I, I, I love this this list uh, of promises that that he shares there. Where did you say you put that? Um, that's on the, the Learning Zion website. Um, let me share that again, really quick. So if you go to the the homepage. Um, over on the right hand side, um, there's some oh. just different things that I've posted on there. So um, uh, I've been looking for those. I never saw them. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. So um, as we go through this book, I'm also posting uh, some of the just a list of the different stories about Abraham um, so that other people might get intrigued and, and uh, excited to study more about his life and, and stuff there. But Anyway, yeah, I just kind of post some some random stuff there on, on the side. Um, but those promises of Abraham are, are huge. Um, let's see, what do we got? It's interesting, there's a lot more promises from our heavenly father than there are from are from god than there are from us you know ours was like 12 was it and how many from god mm -hmm. yeah 35 <laughs> yep exactly and we see that with all of our different covenants um that was one thing that i was um hoping to get out of the the homework assignment for for last week was uh, try to, to recite in your mind the different um, uh, 
uh, words of the covenants and, and ordinances that we uh, do in, in the temple. And, and you'll notice as you go through those that God promises us everything and he, all he expects in return is that we're faithful. That, that, I mean, our list of, of things to do is, is this big um, in comparison to the, the, the grandeur of the blessings that he's going to pour out on us um, in return. And it's kind of that, that principle of justice and mercy and um, the, the blessings of the atonement. I mean, there's literally no way that we can come back to the presence of the Father on our own. There, there's no way. Yet Christ, through his infinite atonement, has, has wrought a change for us that we will be resurrected and that we have the opportunity to come back into to God's presence. Um, he, we need to um, learn these, these laws and ordinances so that we can um, bring all of his children back into that fold here. And that's what the, the priesthood and, um, and powers of the ordinances are, are meant to do so that we can, can do that. But yeah, seemingly little things lead to, to great blessings. Um, and then just to kind of bounce off that, let's go to page 92. Uh, I love um, this whole section here that talks about um, what gives us access to a translated city. Here it talks about the order of the priesthood available in Abraham's day. We learn this from Latter-day Scripture, but it's the, um, the order of the priesthood that gives mortals access to the translated city, that city of, of Zion, Enoch Zion. And it's all through the Melchizedek priesthood. We have the three different priesthoods, Levitical, Melchizedek, and Patriarchal. But it's through the Melchizedek one that we have um, access to Enoch City here. And um, let's see. Where, I'm trying to find the actual word here. Uh, I should have highlighted it better, I guess. I, I'm not finding it. Maybe it's on a different page too. But um, just the fact that um, every part of God's um, organization and law brings us uh, specifically to God in a different way. Um, we have the uh, Abrahamic covenant. We have the uh, uh, Enoch covenant. And we have the the Davidic covenant. And, and they all... Um, have different promises and blessings that, that bring us to God. Um, but it's, it's through these, this Enoch covenant and the Melchizedek priesthood that we are able to um, build Zion and, and bless the earth. Yeah, I, I wish I had the other little reference to that on the tip of my tongue. But um, anyway, about halfway down the page, it talks about um, this covenant here, um, about the, the multicolored rainbow. Um, and it's the, the ark or, or the rainbow that um, has the, the right hand uh, coming forth. And it says what covenant, not only the promise to not flood the earth, but also as disclosed in the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis, the promise to eventually bring Enoch Zion back to earth. Um, that, that's a huge covenant. He covenanted with, with Enoch to separate that, that land, that holy land away um, for the last days, and then to, to bring it back. 
and um, and also to not flood the earth. But um, anyway, I it's been a long time, but um, I, I would really encourage everyone to to read the Joseph Smith translation of both of those sections, sections nine and sections fourteen. Um, I, I remember reading that for the first time in an in institute class, oh, probably like six or so years ago. And it blew my mind that I had never heard or, or read these stories that were in the Joseph Smith translation. So they're not just available right in the text of, of Genesis, but you have to go back into the, the study helps. If you're looking on the gospel app into the study helps into the Joseph Smith translation in the appendix of, of our scriptures and um, the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis 9 and Genesis 14 are huge into understanding the, the covenant that God made with Enoch. And that's the same covenant that Abraham was seeking when he received his blessings. I find those, those parallels and um, stories very interesting. Um, but I would, I would give that as a homework assignment for next time to go into the Joseph Smith translation for Genesis 9 and 14. Those are very um, enlightening and then they'll greatly enrich your study of Abraham and, and of the covenant. Um, let's dive into um, as Abraham is, is called out of Haran and kind of meant to wander through the land of Canaan. What are some different insights and um, ideas, things that you learned throughout this whole section? Why was Abraham called out of Haran, out of this good place where he was doing good missionary work? What was the purpose of that? And um, what, what things can we learn from, from this? Um, uh, I, I guess you could say uh, kind of a mirror of the wanderings of, of the children of, of Israel. Why was uh, Abraham called to wander? Yeah. I think it's because like Lehi was called to wander. And when you're wandering, you're living in a tent and you're not focused on material things. You're focused more on God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I love that. Even, um, uh, from, from what you just said, it, it reminded me of kind of like uh, a missionary type experience as well. Um, uh, we choose to make a sacrifice and then wander for two years. And as we do so, um, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're led and guided and uh, appointed to certain places by um, the revelation that comes through the mission president. But um, we, we're kind of wanderers in, in that um, area. We're living in a tent where we're not uh, permanent by any means. We're, we're just kind of here and there as, as God needs us to, to bless others. That makes me think of that scripture, and he dwelt in a tent, and we know that he left a lot of riches behind. That's very interesting that you say that, Janet. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then comparing that to a mission, that's exactly, you just leave everything. You can't bring anything with you except you and your knowledge and your testimony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I really never put that connection together, but how much we are like knee or 
uh, Lehi and Abraham and, and these that are called to, to wander. Uh, missionary experiences are kind of wanderings, non-permanent vagabond type experiences. <laughs> Yeah, any other insights from, from that section that you'd like to discuss? There's lots in there, pillars and clouds, um, modern parallels yeah. that we can pull out of there. I really, I really liked how it, it's Jewish tradition, but how a cloud of, a visible cloud of holiness hovered over uh, Sarah's tent. Mm -hmm. That shows you know, how, um, what a wonderful, she was ever bit as faithful as, as Abraham. Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Um, these are just some, some random questions and musings that, that I've had, but why does it specify Sarah's tent? Why is the cloud over Sarah's tent and not Abraham and Sarah's tent like did they I mean obviously they lived together but like did they not live together why do they have separate tents what's the purpose what why does it say it like that kind of a thing and and what's the purpose of this cloud that's hovering because over women, it women are more spiritual than men mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah and so um yeah, and, and what's this, the purpose of having a cloud? Like a cloud is usually, I don't know, a, a lot of times clouds have a negative connotation. They're the things that, that bring the lightning and thunder and, and uh, block the sun from, from coming through. What was the imagery and purpose of a cloud? Um, like here in this story, why is that such a significant holy thing that a cloud is, is hovering over Sarah's tent? You think it's like a veil? Mm, yes. And a veil, um, like a veil. signifying like uh, being in God's presence, kind of a thing. Right. That's what I was going to say. Did we talk about that in this in this discussion before about veils? I think so. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I talked about it in somewhere. I can't remember. Sometimes all of my different things get uh, crossed. But but yeah, the, the discussion of veils I think was was in here. But yeah, very interesting points. And so we have the uh, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, um, you know, with the, the Israelites, Moses, Exodus uh, imagery there. Um, very interesting, the cloud by day and, and fire by night. It's always a, a visible, tangible thing that's in stark contrast to the, to the surroundings. So, um, uh, you know, a cloud in the nighttime, you're not going to really see it. So it's a cloud in the day and then the fire at night, something that's completely visible, something to follow, uh, a marked uh, fixed point. I don't know that it really can grab your eye that, you know, there's no doubt kind of thing. I'm having a hard time with my words today, <laughs> describing what I'm thinking. But Cameron, you're talking about the you know, they lived together and everything, but I think they did have two separate tents because later on 
he it says that he pitched uh, Sarah's tent first, and it, and it always did show forth there. But I think they had separate tents. Um, but yet, I think they still lived together. But there was times that she was teaching the women, he was teaching the men, and and she's also you know preparing the meals and stuff. And so mm -hmm. I think they did have separate tents. Yeah, it's very interesting, you know, like why is elders quorum separate from Relief Society? There's just different things that, different ways of learning, different uh, different nuances to, to teaching in specific ways. Um, as we're uh, in elders quorum, you know, we're, we're teaching and rehearsing and, and practicing and, and becoming our uh, divine roles as um, as priesthood holders and um, likewise Relief Society, uh, practicing, rehearsing, uh, coming together and, and studying specific roles that, that women um, have the, the blessing to become the great matriarchs of the covenant. Um, those are, you know, sometimes they can be taught together. Sometimes they, they have their, their separate um, activities for and for that purpose. And then later on, it, it's just talking about as very similar to uh, the tabernacle that Moses had in the wilderness. It talked about that they, Abraham had this portable temple that mm -hmm. traveled around with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like last week, we talked about kind of the, the different arcs of the covenant throughout the ages, and that it's possible that he had one, but mm -hmm. that he also had a, a, a tabernacle to go with it, uh, somewhere that he would set up that um, he could put the divine presence, the, the ark of the covenant, the, the Shekinah, um, so that, mm -hmm. that God could dwell amongst his people. I, very interesting connections. The, the Lord always establishes temples in times of righteousness for um, the, the righteous to receive the ordinances and commune with God. That, that's huge. A lot of times, you know, some of these plain and precious things were taken out of the scriptures. And, you know, sometimes we ask, oh, well, was baptism around back then? Was the temple ordinances? Uh, everything's kind of by different names throughout the different ages. But, but yeah, the saving ordinances are are universal. They're throughout all the dispensations. And we see in this chapter that in the um, Ethiopian scriptures that it does talk about Abraham being baptized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, like the first the first. <laughs> That's interesting because that isn't something you you just don't read about in the Bible. You don't read about Adam being baptized or Abraham being baptized or really anyone do, except for John, when he starts baptizing, you're like, okay, why are you starting to baptize? What is this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, it's I a don't, new thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It wasn't new. It was always happening. Mm -hmm. but those are some of the precious things that were taken out of the Bible is that you won't find any references about the baptism or any of that stuff. Because it was taken out on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And to know that those things actually existed, we have some records and, and different traditions, um, uh, sources that, that do tell of those experiences. Those are huge in, in order to, to realize that the pattern of, of God uh, goes forth always, that, you know, that our day is just the restoration, the, to bring everything back together uh, before the second coming. Yeah. Um, yeah, any, any final thoughts just on, on the whole chapter, uh, different things that um, you learned that we hadn't talked about? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's a little bit longer chapter and, uh, you know, I have quite a few other notes and different things in the margins, but uh, focusing on uh, kind of a tie-up, I think it all comes back to, to sacrifice and love. Why do we sacrifice? Because we love God. And, and when we do love him, then we can um, start really drawing upon our ordinances to, to bring his power into our life in, in huge ways. Cameron? Yeah. The message to me was that Abraham wanted to be translated and to join the holy city of Jerusalem. And that's what, I know that's a huge goal. It seems impossible. But that's where we should be headed. We should be working towards translation so that we can either be taken up with Enoch or that we can start building Zion here to meet Enoch when that city comes down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of times that's a, either a taboo topic or, or completely unknown to, uh, to us in the church. Um, but it's in my that, word, if mm -hmm. you talk about it, you get released from being gospel doctrine teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite saying is look at the footnotes. Uh huh. Just yeah. read the footnotes. Just read the footnotes. Read them. Yeah. Nelson's talk. Just read the footnotes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Saying yeah. it in there. Mm -hmm. Can't but, feed me to someone that's not ready for it. So you have to put it somewhere. So if you're ready, you can find it. Exactly. Yeah, because you know that that's a hard thing. And and if you don't have faith, repentance, and and all of the first principles and ordinances of the gospel down, if if you don't um, know and and fully have a testimony of the law of sacrifice, etc., of course you're not going to be ready for for that higher, different, um, different level of sacrifice and and things. And so yeah, the footnotes contain. Uh, all of the mysteries, but we're commanded to study the mysteries. We're commanded to dive deeper, to really get to know God, because he doesn't teach that stuff in the manuals to a general church, but he loves to teach it personally, one-on-one. -on -one. That's what we find in the temple. The temple is all about, uh, our ordinances and, and endowment is, is all about translation and and how to receive that blessing in, in this life, in the flesh. And it's up to us to to come unto God, because as soon as we're ready to come to him, he's ready to come to us. And we have so many blessings that are ours. Uh, just kind of finishing up with that, that same principle that I started with of um, we're living sometimes far beneath our privileges um, by our own doing, uh, just our, our lack of, of knowledge or uh, lack of attention to 
to footnotes, to uh, things that surround us. Uh, it's available. We just have to, to know and, and get there. But, um, but yeah, uh, any other kind of questions before we, or questions, comments, sorry. Did you figure it out? Let me have it. Cameron, I have, sorry, I didn't know I was on a microphone. I have a question how to save your page. I got it up. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, for anybody that's wanting to, to save the Learning Zion site to their phone's home screen, uh, we're working through this on an iPhone. Let me try to do a screen share really quick. Okay, so in your web browser, you will go to the Learning Zion uh, website. And uh, when you log in, uh, just on the homepage there, at the very bottom, in the middle on my phone, there's a share button that has a box with an arrow coming out of it. You click on that and scroll down a little bit to add to home screen. And you click on that and you'll be able to rename it. Um, you could type in uh, LZ for Learning Zion, or you could type out Learning Zion, whatever. And then you're gonna add, and then that's going to, to pull it up on your home screen as an icon so that you can easily access it and not have to go through your browser's bookmarks, et cetera. Um, but that Learning Zion will, will pop up right there and it should make it so you don't have to log in as often um, and require a password all the time. Um, but yeah, if you have any, questions or whatever, you can um, ask me on, on that. But um, yeah, it's an easy way to, to add that to your home screen. It's the same kind of a process for Android phones, uh, Google users, etc. Um, yeah, so for um, the, the homework assignments that for, for next time, uh, Joseph Smith translation chapters Genesis or Genesis chapters 9 and 14. Um, they're going to be back in your appendix uh, in the study helps on, if you're on the gospel library app. And then uh, another homework assignment that's really going to help with chapter five is um, to create a list of all of your tests and trials that you've ever had in life. All of the major ones. If you had a lot of trials, just list the major ones. And then out to the side of each trial that you've had or experienced, map out um, one of the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant that uh, was a result of that test. So again, if you go to the um, Learning Zion website, I have the list of all of those promises, the, the promises of the Abrahamic covenant there. Um, so there's those 35 promises or blessings that God gives to us, and then the, the 12 that we promise to God. Um, but list out all of your different trials or tests, uh, big Abrahamic tests, little Abrahamic tests, whatever you want to write down there, and then map out which blessing came because of that test. Um, as you'll see with chapter five, um, getting into um, some of these uh, experiences as he, Abraham and Sarah get into Egypt and, and so forth. Uh, you'll see some of those tests that they have very pointed blessings coming out of them. And I would like us to, to be able to recognize those same blessings being poured into our life 
through our tests and trials that that the Lord is is helping us through. Um, yeah, uh, any questions, comments, things before we we head out? If not, we'll we'll disband from there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Cameron. Uh -huh. Thank yep. you so much. Yeah, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Have a great week. Thanks, you guys too. Good night. Bye bye.